connect we are connected here comes some music for the audience That old world is changing right in front of us, and we try and stay on top of it here. Maybe we can get you out of the way of the boulder rolling down the hill. We're happy to do so, and uh, happy you're with us here this morning on the Tuesday edition of the Radio Ranch, following Andrew Hitchcock and uh, his guest from Ohio, I guess. I'm, I'm not too familiar. I think he's a big Catholic guy that he has on. I've heard him before, and uh pretty interesting um so anyway it's the tuesday edition as i said date stamp is the 18th so it's 118 22 roger sales your host and of course we're on the euro folk radio network as our platform mighty happy to be here where we can talk uninterrupted mind you for a couple of hours and discuss these very complex things that are uh turned catawampus in many people's minds intentionally so that you can be fooled into uh letting some judas goat guide you to the slaughterhouse and what we try and do is open up a little side door and get you off to the side and get you away from that old slaughterhouse and these evil people that run this world and uh, they are evil they do run the world but they are having a lot of problems it seems and if we can get our message out there a little more prevalently they may have some more problems which would be i don't know if there's anything in this whole world that thrill me anymore than to know that those sorry slaving pieces of garbage yes you you revelation two and three niners uh that you guys are going to get millions or even tens of millions of one sentence statements delivered to your your lord of the manor in charge of such things such as citizenship and political status telling them sorry boy you ain't got no more hold on me so come on take that mask off step forward and let us having a party we wants to party with you and we got a nice gallows with a really short rope up there that will be the accumulation of the party and you're going to be the center of attention isn't that nice Mm-hmm. yep and uh, that's what they fear they don't fear too much these guys they fear our god obviously because they go to great great lengths to marginalize him demonize him and separate us from him uh mercury fluoride uh you know no prayer in the schools uh, corrupting the uh organized religious church series of uh schematic if you will i guess a better word and uh you know for somebody that doesn't exist they sure do a lot to separate us from that don't they mm, sure do and uh but all to no avail because you've been caught millions hundreds of millions of people more billions of people around the world now know who you are and as i was saying to start off that little expose there explanatory segment is uh we got you we know it and you know it and uh it's just a matter of you now trying to continue to escalate your little agenda and us escalating ours. And we're just going to see if it's the immovable force or the, the irresistible force or the immovable object. Isn't that it? 
So uh, they're scared of one thing in this world, two things, I guess, our God and us, collectively. And uh, maybe tonight we'll add a few numbers to our ranks. Um, I'm going to be over there with Tom D. I have not heard from Tom that we're having any kind of scheduling problems. (laughs) I imagine he must have really felt uh, terrible last week, and I didn't follow up and have any conversations or any communication with him, uh, actually. And uh, but I was I was going to drop him an email. So I hope there's no scheduling problems tonight. But I'm sure he was quite embarrassed about that and uh, uh, quite frustrated too. Because as we know, you know Frank was on here yesterday. I found out by the way, Frank is a brother of uh, his brother that turned him on to this is our buddy Steve out there in Colorado. Steve dropped me a email and said Frank's my bro, and uh, so that's good. But I think Frank's um, uh, situation is very illustrative of the things that I fight around here and why. I try and keep the pressure on to get this on as many uh, of the larger platforms as we can. We haven't been on very many, but RBN's a really nice start. A very established network, very loyal, uh, aware audience. And um, Frank said, you know, even after Steve, his brother, had gone through this, and Steve's one that had a little problem with the State Department sending the documents, and they sent him this absolutely total BS correspondence. I mean, with outright lies in it on State Department letterhead. Outright lies. Passports are only issued to U.S. citizens. What, what a blatant lie. On, on, on State Department letterhead, okay? I mean, uh, astounding to me. But regardless, it is what it is. And so we, uh, we addressed that with them. And uh, Brother Steve got his documents. And uh, even so, even with all that, Frank, his brother, remember he said he took 11 months of studying this before he uh, was uh, uh, at a confidence level where he would uh, send them a little sentence or two. And see, that's the problem is they've done such an effective job with people, not only of confusing the issue, but also of while you are in this voluntary servitude condition and you've given them this permission to, you know, beat you like a redheaded stepchild, basically, um, do anything they want to you pretty much. We, you know, it's the time lag that gets me, see, is uh, I want. I want tens of millions of people to flood these bastards with some sort of statement. And if you got to wait 11 months, even when your brother has been through all this stuff so positive and you still have to wait, this is no shame on Frank, okay? I understand people going through this. We got people that have been around here for years that still haven't filed one of these things. There are, you know, other reasons, obviously. But it does take time to get your arms around it. It, gets ta- it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of real honesty to sit back and go, man, have they fooled me this bad? And then you got to come to grips with all that and your vulnerabilities and your gullibilities and the fact that you never ask questions. And while they've had you in this, they're hammering you with IRS and all these threatening things to make you think they've got all this power that they don't have unless you give it to them in this method. I mean, it's an incredibly brilliant plan they've cooked up here and they've executed it. Well, really, I guess you got to admit almost flawlessly, haven't they? And so uh, that's what we do is go in and speak truth to power. And uh, it's quite empowering when power doesn't do anything but stand there mute and show you they got no power. Huh. Isn't it? Well, anyway, that's what we do here. Hopefully we've uh, got your attention somehow. And 
uh we had a oh I, I was really thrilled yesterday's show was really good you know at the end of the show i can kind of i got a real good gut feeling on whether it was all right it wasn't too uh, monumental or else it was really good and yesterday's was really good uh we had all the you know robert uh, the new guy from la out there i believe his last name was lin or ling uh a chinese descent uh Hello. pardon me L-O, low. Oh, okay, low. Robert Lowe, and tickled to death to have him, and a, a direct result of uh, John Kassarab's hard work out there. And uh, uh, very obviously sharp as a tack guy, okay? Uh, his age, he was relatively young because he turned his video on. I got to see a picture of him there while we were talking, and relatively young guy, and especially compared to some of us older farts, you know? And that's great to see the young bloods in there, see? And here's a guy who's written his own app, has to do with barter and stuff, which could really, really, I mean, he could just really fit in on the overall picture of what we do here, especially as we go forward. And uh, uh, obviously just sharp as a tack, picked up on everything real quick, had a couple of very astute questions, and uh, it took up uh, at least a good hour of the show yesterday, and real satisfying to me. And of course, when that kind of thing happens, it spurns other people, and you notice as we got to the end of the show, there's four or five people wanting to talk in the last couple of minutes, and we, we run out of time, see? So that's why I try and elicit those things at the start so maybe it gives us a uh, foundation for the rest of the program but anyway it was a real good program and it's really good to see especially like robert uh, uh, sharp young guys uh, and especially uh, other, of other ethnic varieties because they can't do crap about it you know and of course uh, the even the additional irony here of robert being chinese i believe he said he was naturally born chinese on the mainland they saw they hated communism moved to hong kong saw what was happening in Hong Kong and immigrated to the U.S. Well, you go back to there's a very, very important case. We don't talk about it all that much. It comes up occasionally. U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark. Okay, it's one of the absolute pivotal cases, and it is the case in the entire history of our country at the Supreme Court. Uh, the the go-to case in dealing with anything with citizenship, denizenship, all these issues of foreign ambassadors having child, children in your country, and all these different issues that can be very complex. Okay, let me turn that down here. I'll get irritated less and. Uh, Great, uh, great case, U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark, and where they uh, took the superstructure, if you will, and spread it out for everybody. Now, you know, and this is something I've brought up on the show a, a time or two, and I've never seen it addressed since the slaughterhouse cases. But as we've talked about, you know, it's the overriding even the court cases and everything else was that this amendment was passed for the black man. Okay, but it really wasn't all that, no doubt predominantly, and that's the reason they ran that in. Uh, and, of course, the Dred Scott case had something to do with that. But in the Slaughterhouse cases, it goes into a nice long couple of paragraphs. Uh, starts with a, you know, referencing the Dred Scott decision. And uh, said that it was a, a topic of much discussion in D.C. It was uh, in, in different circles. And I believe the exact language, I don't have the exact language out of Slaughterhouse in front of me, but it says, I remember it says it was discussed in the newspapers and in the public journal. So there was all kinds of discussion on this issue at the time that there was no federal citizenship and that people that had been born and raised not only in D.C. but in the territories 
they couldn't be citizens of the country because they weren't state citizens, and those are territories, not states. And in the, all the preceding years in the history of the country, you had to be a state citizen to be a national citizen or a citizen of the country. And, of course, now you can see where they get the term national from. is the state citizen. What's the opposite of the state citizen in the, in the nomenclature? A national. They're the same thing, but you couldn't be a national citizen of the United States of America unless you were a state citizen. And so those that had been raised in D.C. and the territories were not, but not, could not be a citizen of the country without anything short of an amendment to the Constitution. Now, those people, it wasn't obviously all black folks who were predominantly slaves in a, in a condition of real slavery. They, they didn't populate the entire D.C. and the territories. There were whites. There were no doubt other ethnicities in there. So even from the get-go, somebody should really pick this little thread up and do some research on it i've never seen it addressed anywhere it's always and you look at the court cases of blacks it's known to be for blacks it's known to look at the jim crow laws what about the people that were white or other ethnicities that after the 14th amendment went and used the white restroom did they go arrest them like they did with plessy okay uh, and so all of that is very interesting little niche, and it didn't hit me on, on that until one day it was crossed my mind here a couple of years ago, and I've noodled on it a few times since, and it's an extremely interesting little little point here in this whole big scene that nobody addresses. So yeah, obviously it was for more than blacks, but that was who it was originally uh, obviously pinned on because they wanted to get the blacks from that total servitude but what they wanted to do basically was get them from a involuntary servitude position which in the feudal system was very correlative to the black experience in slavery and move them over to the voluntary servitude experience and then they could get everybody else involved in volunteering and then do this little trick on them so very interesting when you get into this and have enough working knowledge of it to get in there and see these little, well, it's a crack in history. It fell through, and I, like I said, it's amazing to me. I've never seen anybody address it except that one little paragraph in the slaughterhouse cases, and they didn't expand on it because the whole slaughterhouse cases go, this is for blacks, this is for blacks as do all the other cases that follow, up until Wong Kim Ark. Uh, so somebody's got their microphone open there. Did you have something to add? I'd love to hear a comment. They put the Indians on the reservations. Right. The blacks on the plantations. And they put the whites, at least in the north, into schools and factories. Yep, and then they pulled the blacks off of the southern plantation, and they stuck their asses on the federal plantation. Okay. Now you said something very interesting. Have you? Uh, is that John we're talking to? The one and only. Hey, John. Well, have you heard us talk about Elk v. Wilkins? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that addresses your Indian see, and that's a really interesting case. And it was before Plessy and Wong Kim Ark twenty years or more. I think it was in the eighteen seventies. I don't remember the exact date. But the story, for those of you who may not know, is very interesting. It correlates to the Indians being put on the reservation. After the 14th Amendment was passed, there was this Indian on the reservation. It was like out in Nebraska, I think. Okay? And so he wants to vote because he's now a citizen of the United States under the 14th Amendment. 
And so he goes into town and tries to register to vote. And the registrar was a guy named Wilkins. And uh, Mr. Wilkins said, sorry, you're an Indian. I ain't registering you, you red devil. Okay. And so Elk, uh, you know, picks up his wampum and his totem pole and goes back to the reservation. Well, election day comes along and Mr. Elk decides he's going to go press the issue again. He's going to go speak truth to power. And so he goes to the voting booth, the voting polls. And Mr. Wilkins, being the registrar, is sitting on the voting polls. And Mr. Wilkins says, Elk, I told you before you couldn't register. Now I'm going to tell you you can't vote. Well, Elk uh, somehow picked the ball up and put a case into the court system now. And it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says, you can't be a citizen of the United States. They don't come out and say you're a sovereign, but that's exactly the condition he was in. And so, uh, yeah, there's all these cases along the way, you know, and it's very interesting. And uh, uh, it's, uh, boy, they've done an effective job at this. They really have. And uh, so that's just a little background here to kind of kick off the show this morning. And Brown versus Board killed part of it, and then they brought it back with the code, right, 1954? Yes. Now you said Brown v. Board killed part of it, and then I didn't get what you said after that. Well, the I, the IRS codes replaced the, the uh, part of the Fourteenth Amendment. Right? Well, you know, here's what they did: is they waited until they got everybody equal, and this set up, which is what Brown v. Board did. It overturned Plessy, and the big obstacle they had to get overcome from Plessy v. Ferguson, I'm going to talk about this tonight over there with Tom, uh, because people need to understand what what led up to that statement in the Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality, where it says all citizens are nationals, and they don't understand the background of that. And that's obviously, I didn't either for a long time. But they had to overcome the decision of Plessy of separate but equal. They had to make everybody equal to pull this scam off. They couldn't have any separate stuff, okay? Because that's just too damned obvious, all right? So they come in. They start forced busing. Here's the Hegelian dialectic. Let's start forced busing. We'll get everybody riled up. And then the third rail is we get a, 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 a adjudication from the Supreme Court that makes everybody equal, but we're going to hide it. Okay. Again, there's the Holy Grail. Boom, boom, boom. Start force busing. Get everybody riled up. Get the decision. Everybody's in the trap now. Okay? And so they did that and completed it. I would say that that is maybe the completion, if you want to look at it in their building terms. You know, the great work is what they call this, the great work. After they get Brown v. Board, it pretty much completes the pyramid. Because now everybody's equal and they've hidden the state citizen under the national status. And then the capstone is the 1954 Internal Revenue Code. It didn't take over any part of the 14th Amendment. The Brown v. Board hid everybody's equality. And now they're just asking you a leading question. See, the, here's the fraud right here. Are you a citizen of the United States or a national? Well, they don't ask you that, obviously. They only ask you half of that when they know both those things are equal. There's the leading question, and there's the front end of the fraud, the back end of the fraud, really. Okay, And the problem they've got is once you open up the back end of the fraud, now you can go back and open up all of it. All the way back to these two amendments being written even before the conflict started in 1860, just so they could get these two amendments in the Constitution 
dealing with their fake war that they started so they can control the world with it a hundred years later. And it unravels everything all the way to that. And man, they thought it was bad enough when they can prove World War One and World War Two. Now we can throw the Civil War in there and you can go back and I'm going to do that with Tom tonight and his audience and show you exactly how those things were written and how they're being applied today. Now, nobody along the way could see it plainly as we can now because nobody had the complete picture you know uh chief justice fuller and john harlan were in the descent on wong kim ark where they come in there and say this is a feudal system this is the relationship of a liege man to a liege lord and it's unbending for due to time or place you know in other words u.s citizens for many years were the only citizens in the world that were taxed on their worldwide income there's some other countries that have joined that now. I know Uruguay's one. I'm sure there's others. But for a long time, it was only the U.S. Why? Because you're in this feudal system, and just like they said in Wong Kim Ark, it's, a, it's, it's un, undaunted by time or place. doesn't matter where you are. Okay? And uh, he saw it. Obviously, those two guys did. Um, uh, 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 Congressman Lewis T. McFadden saw it. And in some of his speeches on the House, he said they're building a Machiavellian feudal system. That's his exact term and description. A Machiavellian feudal system. How accurate, see? But because he was a banker and he saw all these other things happening, and he obviously, very educated, smart man, could see it. But I haven't found very many people I've been able to, there may be others, I just don't, hadn't stumbled on their stuff, and I'm not out there doing all that active research anymore, like some of you are. So if any of you stumble on that kind of stuff, like Alan, our buddy Alan, who we hadn't heard from in months, um, is, uh, uh, you know, those are very good little tidbits, but now you can understand why nobody could even envision what the hell they're doing here that's why when you look at that 14th amendment all persons born or naturalized in the united states well first of all the united states is is the federal united states it was a federal citizenship that was lacking that they had no way to be a citizen of the nation or a citizen of a state because they were in a territory all persons well we know that's a nebulous term okay it's all persons that receive rights under the 14th amendment no duties but that's aside all persons born or naturalized okay in the united states comma and subject to the jurisdiction thereof so there's two prongs you know when they get into this legal stuff they have prongs there's two prongs of uh, of proof here one is you got to be a person that's born or naturalized in the united states and then you got to be and subject to the jurisdiction thereof so there's a two-prong test there well how do you become subject as we've said many times it doesn't say all persons born or naturalized in the united states are subject to the jurisdiction thereof it doesn't say a definitive statement that you are it says and okay and so and subject to the jurisdiction well how do you get subject to the jurisdiction thereof comma are citizens of the united states in the state wherein they reside well i guess if you answer the two questions are you a citizen of the united states are you a resident that makes you and subject to the jurisdiction thereof doesn't it well they knew that in the 1850s for god's sakes the whole thing was planned out that intricately a hundred years before. That's these slaving, murdering, thieving, pieces of human garbage, if they're in fact human, that we're dealing with right here. And we're going up to them and we're saying, hey, you Revelation and 2939 piece of 
garbage. You ain't got no authority on me. You're a fraud. And the fraud stand there. Speechless. Hey, hey, Holocaust. Voy vey. <laughs> what about the whole hoax? Come on, Dan. You just a comment. I didn't get the front part of it. Something about the whole hoax. That's what it was. Okay, that was John. Uh, you know, over right. Sunday. Yeah. Is that Sam? Yeah, according to Judge Stamper's research, Lewis T. McFadden brought suit against the Federal Reserve System. And that suit still sits there. I'm sure it does. It's, it's never been brought forward, and it's still active. I wouldn't if have they it. open the files. I wouldn't have any doubt of that. Okay, And maybe that's something. Well, you know, I don't want to sue them. I want to hang them. They don't need to be sued. They need to be hung. Okay, And all of their wealth needs to be stripped from them that we can get our hands on. And it ought to be divvied up, especially among the black people around the world. They want reparations? Let's get some of this ill-gotten gains of these Revelation 2 and 3, 9 thieving piece of crap and get it back redistributed where it ought to be. Okay? He, he, he also points out that uh, so that they couldn't be uh, accused of treason, they, they got House Joint Resolution 192 right. passed on June 5th, 1933. So that there was a remedy for the people, but they weren't going to tell you how to get the remedy. No, they weren't. I thought it was about a month after March. I thought that was in April. He says it was in June. June 5th, 33. There was another that's one I how, thought that's, was... That, that's House Resolution 192, Roger. Okay, well, I thought the other one might have been a Senate resolution that was passed about a month after where it says all, all property in oh. the United States is under our oh, control oh. except... By operation of law at the end. You know, that's their little yeah. catch-all phrase they throw. Oh, except by operation of law, like Vattel's Law of Nations and stuff. Do what, Sammy? Yeah, I think, I think Murr mentioned yesterday that one guy went in to use 192, and the court said, well, that has been dismissed and forgotten about. And that it was, but then she brought up that, well, it still existed in the Senate. Well, um, I think so it was. It seems right. like, in my memory, it was a Senate bill. You know, you, a bill can arise in the Senate or the House. Right. Uh, it doesn't become law until it's passed by both and signed by the president, obviously, but it still has some staying power and sticking power. And here's somebody going into court as a serf going, that serf stuff doesn't apply to me. And they go, oh, yeah, sure, buddy. See ya. Did, did you have a chance to look at that uh, Barron versus Baltimore case? No, no, I didn't, and I told you the reason is because it's hard for me to read that kind of stuff. You mentioned it. Well, I asked you to give us a background on it. You said it had to do with a port and silting over of a guy's dock or something? Yeah, the, the guy was in Baltimore. He had a deep water port, and because of the construction that the city of Baltimore did, right. it silted in his port. Right. So he sued him for $20,000 back then, right. and it got to the Supreme Court, and he he wanted to be reimbursed for taking. And so the I get the Fifth, the Fifth Amendment, and uh, so the court... Um, uh, came out and said that, uh, well, the Bill of Rights only apply uh, to the federal government, not the states. <laughs> and that stood until the 14th Amendment. I, I, I don't have any disagreement with that at all. How can a state get God-given laws? 
it can't be endowed like an individual can. Well, I think once a state, well, I think this was really the Federalists just eliminating the Bill of Rights. I think that's what was going on. Well, they've been trying to do that since the start. No big surprise there. I mean, they so hate they that took, stuff. They took the power of that away from the states when this, the people in the states, once they became part of the compact, uh, in my feeling, also had the Bill of Rights. It, I mean, they gave all their land to the federal government, uh, right, more or less. Well, but... Feeded it, I don't, they call it. I don't know how they could be an individual... Uh, in the law, a person, if you will, all the way back then to where they would receive those protections. They've got their own state constitution. Okay. Okay. So, well, that's the argument anyway. Okay. And, and, what, and the court said, the court said, no, you can't, uh, you can't because the state isn't under any protection of the Bill of Rights, correct? Yeah. I don't have any problem with that. Or the people don't have access to the Bill of Rights in the states is what they're saying. Well, uh, I'm not sure about that. A little convoluted. Don't know. I mean, and I'm, I just don't know, Samuel, honestly. But it's, it's an interesting case. This, and supposedly this stood until the 14th Amendment. And supposedly in the reviews, some of the reviews I read, the 14th Amendment was to fix that flaw. <laughs> well, they, you know, it was also legitimately there was no way that people born or, or living in, in the territories could be a citizen of the nation. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big crack, don't you think, honestly? Well, they were state citizens. Well, no, they weren't. They weren't any kind of citizens because they had no citizenship in the territories. Oh, not in the territories, but in yeah. the states they did. Oh, in the states right? they did, but I'm saying this is the reason that the, the loophole that they used to drive this through is the fact that those people in D.C. and the territories, they couldn't be state citizens because they were in a territory. And they couldn't be citizens of the country because they had to be state citizens to be a citizen of the country, and they couldn't be a citizen of the state. They were left there in that void. Okay. That's what they drove the 14th Amendment in through, that loophole right there. I mean, you know, these are some really slick bastards we're dealing with here. Okay. Well, the fact that the federal constitution, right? Do do what now? Hold. I got two or three people wanting to talk. Gary, I'll get to you. John, what was your comment right there? There could be up to three federal constitutions. So the first one could be the one that has our protections, and the other two are corporate, right? Well, I think. Well, it could be the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution for the United States and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, I look at it as one contiguous document, the one with that doesn't apply to the Fourteenth Amendment, because you got, as John Harlan said there in Downs v. Bidwell, what we've got at the bar is two different types of government: one under the Constitution and one that mimics the European monarchs. Okay, well, hey, you got two different governments. I guess you got two different statuses of citizens, don't you? Yeah. Okay. I don't know that it's this constitution or that constitution. I think it's whether you qualify to be under God-given rights and constitutional protections versus having civil rights, no political rights, and in a condition of voluntary servitude where you erroneously have answered those questions yes and signed something. Those are the two right there. They're right in front of you. See, uh, everybody's parsing and looking for these answers and going off on tangents and stuff when it's really right in front of you. 
I mean, go back to the Declaration of Independence. We're endowed with uh, with capital R rights from our capital C creator. We owe capital D duties, and we're a capital C citizen. That's in the Declaration of Independence in the first paragraph. But now we're under civil rights under the 14th Amendment. Those are totally different. They're small R rights. They're small C citizens. Uh, you know, it's just right there in front of you. We just don't know to differentiate it. And you go back to our attorneys, you know. I mean, as I've said, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, Rudy Giuliani, Robert, uh, 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 what's his name? It's on with Jones all the time. I can't think of. Uh, all these prominent, prominent, respected accomplished attorneys and they get up there and talk about constitutional rights they can't see the difference between the declaration of independence and those capitalizations and the lack of capitalizations and only having civil rights and they're sitting there going you can't infringe on my constitutional rights what did you what did jen saki come out and say yesterday i heard alex we're gonna we're gonna come and infringe we're gonna take away those rights basically what she said they're planning on sending out these goon squads they're setting it up now. But Lee Greenwood said, I'm proud to be in America. Well, Lee Greenwood needs to get his head out of the pickle barrel. Roger, you know, the, the, the anti-federalists were making that argument that there was a big problem between the Declaration and the new document they were uh, putting forward, yeah. the Constitution, right? Well, and so it was, it, was seen, it was seen for what it was from the beginning, and they're one of their biggest picks the problems they had was that freaking supreme court yeah and the fact that it wasn't stacked yet and they were being honest and they were still running on real law um they didn't have that 14th amendment situation developed enough through a bankruptcy where they could be applying all this merchant law uh gary gary was saying something a second ago gary what were you going to add buddy just that the blacks, after they got free, didn't have any citizenship anywhere. So that's what another reason for the Dan, Well, they had citizenship if they resided in a state, but they were federal citizens. Right. Okay. Now, I, also, wanted to, I wanted to thank Gary. Gary sent me an email this morning, and he's asked me to, if I would uh, get hooked up with the Flathead County Patriot Group next Monday night and give them a presentation. We're going to figure out the ways and means on that. I really appreciate that, Gary, and I'm really looking forward to talking to your folks out there. Well, you ought to have quite a few people uh, in the audience. Last night at last night's class, I got bombarded by lots of different questions, and one of them says, well, let me see if I can to actually give us a class next Monday. So might be able to bust something wide open here, Robert. Well, good. I, you know, I'll write Jim, uh, our mutual friend Jim White, a little email, and you may want to contact him, too, if he can promote it there in the local area. I already did. I okay. sent him a message this morning. Okay. About the island I'm working. Uh, I've been working with a real good personal friend of his. Uh, contacted me over the weekend. He's a very interesting fellow. He's Korean, and uh, his name is Terry, spelled a little bit different. Uh, and he was adopted in Korea and brought back by American parents. He's been evidently he's been naturalized because he's got a current passport. Can't get one without being a citizen of the United States or a national. And so he was asking me a bunch of questions and stuff, and I answered them pretty 
up uh, very promptly, of course, and and he's thrilled to death. And so uh, I, it's going to be very interesting because, as I said, he's a real, evidently very close personal friend of Jim and his family. So uh, we're making progress, guys. You know, we're really making progress. Jim said that he's going to get a hold of you and have you on his Brighty on show uh, the first of the month. Okay. Well, fantastic. I'll look forward to getting over there, and I hope we can get Mike Adams' ear and pull the lobe down real quick and say, Mike, you need to listen here. You got people like your buddy Alex Jones that are wanting to take two or three weeks off and go off in solitude like, you know, somebody back in the Bible over off in the desert for 40 years, and they're all looking for all these answers, and here's the answer right in front of him, Okay. I mean, just like as I've said before, if he'd listened to Max Kaiser 10 years ago, he wouldn't have all these financing problems. If he'd listened to me and some of his audience that called in about this 10 years ago, we may not be as in the, in the soup as deep as we are today. But those things are under the bridge. I understand that I couldn't explain it as well 10 years ago. I quite frankly did. I understood it, but I didn't understand it as well as we do now. Okay. And uh, the simplicity of it. Um, I thought it was still more complex than it is. Uh, and uh, so all things work together to good for good. And when the time's right, the teacher will appear. Uh, well, I think the saying is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so hopefully uh, we're at that time because there's a lot of people looking for answers. I think we're going to have a really big audience on RBN tonight. Well, that'll be great. Yep. So I'd like to welcome uh, Linda. She's on the board. That's a fellow Montanian. Okay. Hi, Linda. Hey. Welcome. First you're, time. Okay. Well, you're welcome. If you want to talk, you can. And if you don't, ha you don't have to. And just welcome you along. And see, this is what we do on a pretty well a daily basis here is just get on, talk about stuff. I'd rather talk about this stuff. But sometimes you can't just beat the horse every day. You know, if there's nobody here new and nobody's asking questions, uh, we get off and try and take things that are ta happening top uh, currently out there that are topical and tie them back into this so you can see the connections of of why they do things and why they can't do things and how this advantages you when they do try and do things so welcome linda roger yeah Hi. that dave i got a question okay who's yeah. this okay so dave talking to my buddy okay yes, hold sir. on all right dave in the thumb or dave k it's dave in the thumb i can tell now it is in the thumb yes sir it's our thumb boy hey thumb good boy morning. bring it on good morning boy dear <laughs> My my buddy in Texas. <laughs> they all always want to talk when you do, don't they? <laughs> anyway, he has an expired passport. Is okay. he renewing? Yeah. Oh well. The question: When did it expire? How, how many years ago? Oh seven. It was no. He's no. He's in. He's he's in. Okay. He's cool. Uh, what you need to do is tell him to go look up a DS eighty two. Okay. And on the front page of a DS eighty two for renewal, there are six questions. Now these are relatively new. I'd never seen this until recently. Okay. There are six questions there. And one of them is, have you had a passport issued in the last 15 or 20 years? I forgot which one it is, but it's a pretty good while. And, and if you 
haven't had one issued within that time frame and yours is older than that then you got to go back at the start and do a ds11 but if you're in that time frame you can just go ahead and do the renewal form answer all six questions yes you can mail it straight to them you don't need to put your birth certificate in and uh, all that stuff you don't need to go to the post office and sign it in front of an administrating official or a judge and all that kind of stuff perfect that's what i told them okay good deal all right Thanks, all right Roger. you're welcome dave so uh who else has got something they want to talk about or mention I do. Uh, this is Dawn. Hey, hey Dawn. Hadn't heard from you in a couple of days. How you doing? Oh, I am. I'm doing good. Hey, I was just doing the research of kind of how we got from point A to point B, and it's um, very, it's very ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm finding that out. So I know that the IRS is not part of the United States. Like it's the it's the elite bankers that kind of own the IRS, but the, go ahead. It's, it's the collection agency under the International Monetary Fund in the bankruptcy. Okay, thank you. And then the treasurer, or the treasury, that, is that ours, or is that also? It's, it's theirs now. It's Okay, so it was ours at one point. We had, if you'll notice on the front of a bill, you'll mm-hmm. see that it's, uh, it used to be signed by the Treasurer of the United States, not the Secretary of the Treasury. Those are different. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, the way to really nail this is to go on your trusty little search engine, you know, not hopefully not the G word. And uh, go in there, and you want to put this in the search field. Woodrow Wilson's, or Woodrow Wilson, repudiation of dollar diplomacy. Woodrow Wilson, repudiation of dollar diplomacy. Are you familiar with this document, Don? No. It's quite instructive, and it's really important. Okay. Now, it's important to me for a couple of reasons. One is because this is the first damning document I ever found in my research. This is after I saw, uh, you know, got turned on to all this that night, that weekend, and there wasn't much information on the Internet in 1992. It wasn't anywhere near as developed as it is 30 years later, obviously. And so I did what any of us would do is I went to the local library there in Cobb County where I live, northeast, northwest Atlanta. Uh, It's really an idyllic little library. It's not that it's so, uh, you know, beautifully constructed or anything, but outside of the bank of windows there across the street is a southern Confederate graveyard. And so it's a nice sloping hill, and there's just thousands of these headstones in there from this debauchery that they caused okay so it's real special but you know i don't know maybe you got to be a southern now i know it tugs at everybody's heartstrings especially when you find out how unnecessary this was and the effects that we've all lived through but especially if you're a southern boy or girl Okay, it's got special significance. Regardless, I remember going to that library and I went to the historical section and I found a book on historical legal documents. And I knew the time frame already about the Federal Reserve and so I went to that time frame and here's this document and it tells you everything 
really does. Now, what happened, for those of you who may not be familiar with this, uh, when Woody Wilson was first elected, obviously there was an early in his in his tenure there because they hadn't started bribing him yet or he wouldn't have done this and so as they say and they give the story and there's not a very long document to read and it says a group of consortium is the word they use a consortium of bankers came to woody wilson and asked him to undersign uh, underwrite co-sign if you will this loan to china for a hundred million dollars and Woody Wilson, it was so early in his presidency that he rejected it, and he went into the reasons why in that document. And so as you go through and read it, and it talks about the reasons why, they went ahead and made the loan, by the way, without the co-signature. And I'm going to show you the results of that. And why they wanted him in there was they wanted him for the muscle. They wanted him to go in and use the U.S. military to go in and enforce the taxation issue. He doesn't come out and say that, but that's what's going on, okay? And so it says in there that he goes into a paragraph where he talks about why he's rejecting this offer from the Consortium of Bankers. And he goes, the ideas of this are repugnant. He said it goes to the very heart, the political heart of this great country just now awakening to the uh, to the needs and the desires of its people, something to that effect. But in that paragraph, he goes, some of the some of the conditions include taxation, which is burdensome and antiquated. Does that sound like the tax system? Burdensome and antiquated? Yes. Administered by foreign agents. There's the IRS. Now, here this is even more interesting. The Rothschilds and their pals went ahead and loaned that $100 million to China. China never made a single payment on it. Of so, of course. And so, until they were getting ready to give Hong Kong back to them. And they paid yeah. off the English bondholders in the transfer agreement for Hong Kong. But they didn't pay off the American bondholders. I heard a gal who's the head of this bond organization in the U.S. I've seen her twice. Back when YouTube used to have Epoch News on there. Mm -hmm. Epoch Times stuff. Okay. And they had an interview with this gal on two separate occasions. I saw her. Attorney. Sharp gal. She said, I've met with President Trump on this. He knows all about this. 20,000 bondholders of that bond issue in the United States. Guess how much China owes those 20,000? Now, all these years later. $1.8 trillion. What is our debt to China? $1.2 trillion. Trump could have gone into those people. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get some agreement out of you, Don. If you're holding one of the 20,000 people holding some of those bonds, you're probably never going to see a penny out of that. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So Trump comes in and gives them 10 cents on the dollar, buys the bonds, and every month when we're paying a payment to China, we send them their own bonds. How about that? So, who's getting that money? 
Well, nobody, because it never got moved on. But Trump knew, knew about it. The woman met with him personally and showed him and gave him all the information. And he didn't do anything with it. But not that I've ever seen or heard about. He never even yeah. mentioned it. Yeah. I I have my doubts. Major, major doubts about Trump. Well, you know, I've got, I'd like to think good of people. There's a couple of things that I'm really, uh, uh, first of all, why do you go and marry your children into these damn Jew bastard families? Okay. Honestly, he's done it with two of his children. Okay. Uh, why do you not a year later when it was your idea to go up and have this rally and you got 700 people arrested? I heard it again the other day in the Senate testimony. Uh, 700 people in jail. They're getting mm -hmm. treated horrendously for as much as almost a year to the point where some of them are getting beat up and one guy got his eye knocked out. They beat him up so bad. Okay. Yep. Why haven't you even said even a word about that? What about the vaccine thing? I guess he's not pumping the vaccine stuff anymore. So I'm very disappointed in some of those things, uh, obviously, as everybody else is. Um, but it's hard. You can't, you know, you can't have achieved what he's achieved in that market in New York and living up there and all this high-end construction and stuff. You, you can't have ever achieved that without going in and having Getting to deal dirty. with these sorry bastards, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So I don't know the answers. All I know is we can remove ourselves from it, and uh, yep. nothing that they do has any bearing on us. It affects us, but it doesn't have any direct bearing now that we're they've come out of her, if you will. And if you have, if you have, congratulations. If you're contemplating on it, and you got problems and concerns. That's what this forum is for: is to get on here and answer your questions and try and assuage your fears to the point where you'll get brave enough and get enough breasticles or testicles to take action. Okay. That's what this is all about. Because it's a big, scary thing. It's just like the damn Wizard of Oz. Just like everybody in the whole kingdom of Oz was scared as hell of this sorry old wrinkled up Revelation 2 and 3, 9 bastard sitting behind a curtain with pedals and levers. And what's it take? It takes a little carn terrier named Toto to expose the whole damn thing. Yep. So I, all of you, I'd suggest you go dig up that Woodrow Wilson document if you've got any people that are skeptical on all this. There's your historical reference right there. Awesome. Wood, Thank you. You're welcome. Woodrow Wilson, repudiation of dollar diplomacy. A tax system it. that's burdensome and antiquated, administered by foreign agents. People don't believe that. Here's the second step you do with them, Don. If you're like this this guy down here that I've been butting heads with for a couple of years on this, I've just I just don't I don't go press people anymore like that. You know, if if they don't get it, then they're they're supposed to be fooled, and I ain't gonna go beat them up about it. Okay, but he's the one I said the IRS isn't a government agency. This guy's a 30 year federal employee. Okay, with immigration. All right. Used to be an instructor down there at that uh, uh, facility, Glencoe, down in South Georgia, where they train everybody down there. Okay, and I said the IRS isn't a government agency, so he goes and get this now. He goes to his phone, he drags up the Treasury Department, and shows me the logo of the IRS on their website. Oh, well, look right there. They're part of the government. <laughs> okay, listen. Some people are very easily fooled, and he's one of them. Okay. 
And uh, so then here's what you do, and this is what I, I should have done with him, but I don't have the books and stuff here. You go to, I believe, Treasury's Title 28. Okay? I believe. Don't hold my feet to the fire if I'm wrong. All right? But I think it's 28. And you go into Treasury in the United States Code, and there's a list, a schematic almost, of all the organizations that are under Treasury. And IRS isn't there. And that's much more definitive than a logo on a website. Dare I say. Right. Okay. It's supposed to be there. Yeah. And so if you really, we used to pin, try and pin the IRS agents down. You can also pin them uh, with their ID and stuff, but I don't remember all the, all the nomenclature and crap. But uh, they're foreign agents acting for a foreign principle. So, anyway, that's who they are, and if you'd like to separate yourself from them, we've got the way to do that. There's a new female voice. Hello. Hi, Roger. Sorry to interrupt, but, um, you know, right when you were getting into the meat and potatoes of the whole thing, it's so funny how we get distractions in life, right? Yeah. Like, like a... Uh, you know, like a little child, you know, or something, just like, you know, out of the mouths of babes at the perfect time, like a frequency, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like the last 15 minutes of your um, explanation there, but um, it does seem so pertinent to me that um, the ones in power, and it's a, a struggle right now for, for who's going to pay back what? And, and what nationality and what country and, and we've got everybody separated on every single thing and they're saying, oh, it's not that. But you know what? Isn't it? Yep. Isn't it about that? Because it's every nation right now struggling. Who's going to pay back what for what? And who's, who is, is it by merit or is it by where they put it? And then how are they going to get it? Well, you can see all the people that are dying. And in this family, why are all the whole family dying? And I looked up under, okay, it's the Scots and it's the Italians and it's the um, Slovak and it's the, um, uh, you know, all these different ones. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, and it, it's so, when you look at it like that and you're thinking, my God, they control all the power. They're the ones. And they all get together, and they decide which families are going down. Yeah, pretty much. Now, you know, the need, the interesting thing here is that one of the reasons, especially they're going after the older people, is because they've really stolen all the pension funds blind. And they don't want to have to pay that stuff out because they, then they're going to have to come out of their own pocket, which obviously they're not going to do, these Revelation 2 and 3, 9 greedy bastards. And so they want to kill you off so they don't have to pay out the pensions. Roger. The guys and gals that I work with that work so hard in these factories in the in the um testing well, the practicing that the doctors have been doing on them day and night, night and day and you know, how about this medicine? How about that medicine? How about this parasite? How about that parasite? How about this shot? How about that shot? How about every shot? You know How about no shots? Horrible, horrible <laughs> my brothers and sisters that and yes, and exactly Exactly, but the people that have been, you know, programmed, okay, my parents, you know, we were farmers, and we, and we ate off the land. We planted our seeds, and we shared with other people, and perfect timing for, for the children to come through and, you know, give them little distractions like that on purpose. Because <laughs> when you say too much, you know, 
for that. You know, just like we were talking about last night in our conference call about frequency. We're talking to a young lady. She's really doing really great on these products and stuff, you know. And we're so happy for it. And all of a sudden, and she got it. She picked up her phone. She put it to her ear. She never puts it to her ear. She always has it on speaker. She's got one of those androids, you know, kind of like androids now replace the steroids, right? And so then I got the android, and she puts it closer to her ear, and all of a sudden, bam! She hears this great big blast in her ear, and she's like, "You know what, you guys? I can't hear very well this ear. Now it's going to the other side of the ear." My God, she was having so much success. She was having so much success, just like. How many other people do we know? We get to a certain point, so much success, and then what happens? I got 17 things written down. I'm like, 17 things? You got this company, that company, this one, and they're all trying to steal it. Why? Because the one that's in power, they all get together and they decide, these are going down because these got this kind of wealth. And we're going to destroy them children because those children, they got them distracted by this over here, and then we're distracted over there by that. And they're all sitting at the same table on a different conversation, and not one of them are on the same page. Well, you know, hey, let, me, uh, let, me, uh, let me bring up an example of Cecil, Cecil Rhodes. I mean, Cecil Rhodes was a screaming sodomite, so he didn't have any children. But he had a brother that had two sons who would have stood to inherit all of his trusts and they killed both of those sons so they could get the trusts. And that's the situation that young lady in her 80s right now, she's got a dead brother and a dead sister's grandchildren, nephew, the, the wives or the son-in-laws that are now taking care of this wonderful lady and they all want, they see dollar signs. They don't see her as this, you know, she needs help. They see dollar signs. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tremendous motivation for people. It's, you know, they really prey on our weaknesses, that greed being one of them, obviously. Gabriella uh, has a question. The, the sex stuff. Who who does, I know Samuel was trying to say something a second ago. That was Mrs. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, the, it wasn't that, that was Mrs. Dave in the thumb we were talking to, wasn't it? No, Gabriella. Okay. Uh, Okay. Well, sorry. All right. Go, Gab Gabriella. I'm going to put Samuel on the back burner. Get ladies first. Gabriella, or Gabby, as we'd call you down here. You, Gabby. Better not be talking about me. Well, I don't know. I, I guess that is who we're talking about. So that's he. Uh, he uh, Jeff was identifying you for me. So thank you, Gabriella. No, I'll call are, Gabby. Okay, we don't call you Gabby. That's well, you know, down here, it was more so in Argentina. Everybody's got a nickname. You know, Flav, Flavia was Flavi. Uh, you know, this Gab, Gabriella's or Gabby's and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, that's where that came from. But uh, thank you, Gabriella, for uh, injecting your uh, your thoughts here with us. Um, Samuel, you were trying to inject something. She's going to. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Glad to have you along. Where are you calling from, by the way? Well, I'm right next to the song. <laughs> no, what state? What area of the country? You don't want to say? We're on Michigan. Oh, okay, you're up in Michigan. Yes, okay. We're Michigan. Oh, you're up there by Dave and the Thumb then. Okay. That is my wife, Roger. Well, I thought it was. He's going to claim you. She doesn't know she's married. Okay. <laughs> Gabriella has somebody else on here, Roger, and she's saying that she doesn't, we can't hear her. 
Okay. So well, Gabriella, I... At the, I don't know if you're on a cell phone or whatever, but there's a bar at the bottom that has the <laughs> microphone camera and whatnot. Click on your microphone to unmute. Okay, down at the bottom, and uh, uh, obviously she must be new. And so, um, Gabriella, if you can get that navigated, if, you, if you're connecting digitally through Jitsi and not calling in on the phone, is she calling in on the phone, Lisa, or not? Can you tell? I see your name up there. So. Okay, well, it probably is not because you can't get your name up there if you call in on the phone. But if she's calling in on a Jitsi app mm-hmm. or the Meet uh, .jit .si a PPN studio, she ought to be able to unmute and communicate with us. So, uh, Gabby, you just keep looking at that, and when you find it, just stick your foot in there and say, "I'm here." Okay, we'll we'll recognize you, uh, Samuel. She, she is on a phone. I don't really know. How. Okay, well, well, hopefully she can get her question in. We'd love to entertain it, and if not, there's not if much. If you just I can type do it, it in the chat, I'll ask him. Okay, well, if she's on her cell phone, she probably doesn't want to use all those little letters. But I'll leave that up to her. Gabriella uh, is unmuted, so she can talk. I don't know what the Ga- issue is. Gabriella, you are unmuted. They say. Technical, technical crap. Here's the reason. Okay, well, let's move forward. If Gabriella can, we will. Uh, so, Samuel, I, I've been trying to get to your comment for a couple of minutes here. You were trying to say something. Have you forgotten what you were trying to say? No. Uh, speaking of who owes what to whom, if I'm reading Judge Stamper right, the national debt is actually owed to us. It is. We owe it to ourselves. Yeah. And he says you can access that debt through help, help, through that resolution 192 and a, and a bunch of other steps and basically write off of those accounts. Okay. If, I well, read it right. if anybody wants to do that, you're going to plow into it by yourself. I got no interest in exploring that. Good luck to you. Okay. Okay. I'm so happy to be separated from these bastards. I don't care about getting any of their ill-gotten games back. I just don't want their their damn filthy hands or any of their ideals on me. Yes, Dave? Yes, sir. Um, Actually, I am on uh, a 24-7 Zoom, um, and it's Derek Gonzalez out of nebraska he's got like four people that man this zoom 24 7 and they are exploring all of that if anyone is interested um you know it can be accessed by a phone number and i'll give that out i don't have the zoom access but once you call in you can you know ask that question sometimes there's four people on and nobody's saying nothing they just are manning it and if you want to talk you you know you just ask for the floor, unmute yourself, and ask for the floor. But they're always playing uh, recordings of classes that most of them are in, and they're being taught how to access these funds through 1099As and you know remittances and all kinds of really interesting stuff. And it's a learning curve, but uh, if anybody is interested in uh, learning about that, I'll share that phone number. Patriot Rabbit Hole. <laughs> It is. <laughs> that might be the Zoom name, but no, it's Derek Gonzalez. <laughs> well, these uh, guys are actually. The, Go ahead. You better get in and get your claim in quick. <laughs> yeah, I know it, and that's what they're saying because that's 
That's what might be changing. Um, and if Stamper has said, when did he write that book? In the Gosh, 80s? it was back at least in 98, the 90s. 98, I think. 98. Okay. 98. Okay. But he's saying that we, you know, that debt is owed to us. That is right. That's exactly what these people are saying. And, you know, because of the bankruptcy, everything that, you know, we, everything, because we've been placed as chattel, we, they owe us everything. We're not supposed to pay for nothing. And that's what these people are uncovering. So, well, Dave, um, but hold it. How, Dave, Dave the most important thing to ask these people, and I'm not going to bother because I have a lot of feeling that Stamper's right, because he has a nine-step process here, okay? Guess what the first step is in order to be able to do this? Get your status uh, right. You have to have a registration with the Secretary of State in the public record. Our affidavit. Yep. So everybody who tried this crap before and got slapped around probably wasn't a national to start with. I'd say that's probably a good supposition, Samuel. Yep. You, Roger, should I read the nine steps to you? Don't do it, no. If okay. Somebody, you can tell them what page it's on. They can go get the book. I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't endorse that here because I think it distracts from what we're trying to do here. But if people want to go through that exercise, there's places they can go. Obviously, if you want, should we have Dave get out the phone number for this Zoom call? I'll give it out if you want. All right. Well, why don't you give it out? I want. Right, here's what I want you to do, and you can put, maybe have have your wife put it in the chat if she would, because I know you can't. Um, if you'll read it yeah, out twice, okay. Well, if you'll read it out twice okay. and read it slowly, because people have such a tendency to zip through numbers and websites, and people are scrambling for something to write on, and then they just go, "What do you say? What was that again? Damn, give it again." So do it twice. You have a second to get a pencil and a paper, or get your keyboard straight up and Dave's going to give you the phone number if you want to follow up on this. Go ahead, Dave, if you would. Yeah, there is a phone number and a pin. I'll give the phone number twice and then the pin twice. Okay. Okay, I'll start with the phone number. It's 669 900. Now I got to think about this. Um, 68 Three, three. I'll repeat six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three. Then the pin number is eight four nine one seven one one three six nine two. And I'll repeat that's eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Then there's two pound signs after that. Yes. Two. Okay, I'll repeat. Eight four nine one seven one one three six nine two, and then you hit the pound sign twice. You'll be muted. They'll tell you how many people are on the call, and you press star six to unmute yourself. Ask for the floor. Okay. Well, you, good luck. Yeah, good luck. If, I hope you got all those numbers written down, Samuel. If if you uh, want to want to get a synopsis of what Stamper has to say, 
It's in his book, uh, Fruit from a Poisonous Tree, which is downloadable, and it's on page 66 and 67. Okay, let's go back to the situation now. We owe this money to ourselves. What fund are they drawing off of? Okay, that's why I wanted to read this. The second step is you, you need an account, I think, here with the Secretary of Treasury. And then you uh, you have to give a notice number, a routing number, through the national debt account. That's the Federal Reserve. Then you access this joint resolution, 192. And then uh, uh, you, you must... Uh, uh, make your instrument negotiable so it can be used by the United States for a profit. And then you must transmit your instrument back into the public through an agent. I think that's your registered debtor. That's your uppercase person, I think. Uh, you must uh, uh, use only a non-cash item for this exchange. Then you must uh, do a banker acceptance for a changing instrument to attach to your non-cash item. And finally, he says, you must understand that you are not getting something for nothing. That's pretty much the process he's... Good. And what we say in Spanish is suerte. That means good luck. (laughs) Uh, And if I may, it's it's a treasury direct account. And they say that if you pay any of your bills with cash, with Federal Reserve notes, you are increasing the debt every time you use an FRN. That's probably true. Uh, I mean, you know, here, what is what is the national debt? Some of you guys are giving me all this, all, all this complex stuff. What is the national debt? Now, I don't mean uh, amount-wise. I mean, what is it? The promise probably to pay. Probably owed to us. It's the bonds. The bonds are the national debt. That's what your income tax is doing, is paying the coupons to the bondholders that you're the collateral for. And your future income's collateralized to be extracted by the taxing authority. That's the national debt. The birth certificate. The birth certificate is uh, is attached as collateral to the bonds. That's the full faith and credit of the United States. Our ability to extract your future income through the tax system to pay the bondholders. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to well, do? Give you some bonds? Well, it's like when you sign for your house, Roger, that promissory note. That's you. <laughs> well, it's your future income that you're going to pay. They never loan you jack crap. Nope. You give them you your create. signature on a promissory note, and they created the money on what it is. Is Now, when you really get down and understand this, they're monetizing the value of your collateral. Because that's the amount you paid for the item, and that's the amount that's loaned into the system with this promissory note. Okay, they don't monetize the comp. Hold on, hold on just a second. They don't monetize the compound interest that's generated. They only monetize the principal. The principal is the value of your collateral. They're monetizing the value of the collateral you're getting. 
Now, collateral depreciates for the most part, few exceptions, but most collateral appreciates on one side of that equation, and on the other side, compound interest, what Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world, is, is compounding on the other side that's never loaned into circulation. See, this is my idea, is that this causes almost all, the underlying realities of this right here cause almost all the problems in our society because you're having to go out. You don't know that's what you're doing. You don't understand it. But you're having to go out and do something to beat somebody else out of their principle that was loaned into circulation so you can pay your interest that was never loaned into circulation and keep your collateral and they get theirs seized. That is exactly right. We are due all the interest that we've been paid. We have an interest in that. I got an interest in it, seeing them son of a bitches hang. That's my interest. Yeah, so, so and, your dog, and your dog agrees with me. Your dog agrees with me twice. Roger, what's your argument that it doesn't work? I don't know that it doesn't work. I'm just not going to go through all that complex stuff to deal with it. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. I can appreciate that. Too many steps, too complex, too... All right, let me, let me rephrase that. Is there anybody it's ever worked for? Well, you know, I, I, I'm looking at... I know people who tried it before, but they certainly weren't nationals, Roger. Okay. Well, I want to see somebody that's been successful, because in my eyes, if somebody was successful, they'd be on every platform on the Internet going, look what I did. There, there's a guy on YouTube that's doing that already. I don't know his name, but I was listening to some of his videos. Okay. And he's gotten millions, and he's showing people how to um, sign those forms, but you can't make a mistake because then they'll. Um, it's like like it like, work, but, like Ron Gibson stuff on your on getting your property free and clear. You better not David make a mistake, Strait. or that woman that gets thrown in jail when she didn't want to pay him to do it for her. David Strait. Somebody said. No, that's not his name. I, I have to go back to the oh, YouTube okay. to get his name. Okay. But this is Gabriella. I, oh, I Gabriella. <laughs> well, we finally get to hear from you. Can I call you Gabby? Yes. You okay. Can call me Gabby. Okay, I'm good. I'm calling from California. Yes. Are you, uh, you're, you're of uh, Latin descent? Sound like yes, it. Yes. Okay, good. What, yes. what country? Uh, my parents are from Mexico City. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, I was born here in Los Angeles. Okay. Mucho gusto. Gracias. <laughs> Igualmente. So I'm very new to all this. This is the first time I'm um, listening. So, so have we got have we got your head spinning enough? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's a guy that introduced me to this, and his name is Romy. I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh -uh. but he's like listens to all your videos. And okay. So I my question is, like I was telling him, how does this affect me if we're like paying a house so you're talking about it doesn't affect mortgage. it doesn't affect you at all it's just you can't go get your house off the property rolls because it's not yours yes okay so now once I you mean, got it paid off once you give once they you know the word mortgage comes from the word mort main and it means to kill i don't know if you know that or not uh, so grip. once, uh, yeah, death grip, something like that. Once you've got that little rascal paid off and you've got your freedom and your status straight, you can go through a process and get it off the property rolls and actually own that house in a loyal title. Okay. I don't know if that's going to happen because I don't think I'm going to stay here that long, but yeah, I was okay. 
asking him, would it be more beneficial if I sell and just get the money for that and rent in the meantime? Because um, I'd rather um, use the money to invest in silver. Right. Well, it will, might not be a bad play. I mean, you know, we're not here to give financial advice, obviously, or legal uh-huh. advice either. All I do is present facts and draw conclusions. Go to John Cassera meeting. Uh, I would, uh, if uh, uh, Gabriella, Gabby, uh-huh. why don't you send me an email, if you will? Okay. I'm going to give you the address. Okay, it's Radio Ranch. That's two words, but no spaces. Radio Ranch, no spaces at mail m-a-i-l m-a-i-l dot com and just put gabby in the subject line and i would put you in touch with our associate out there you're in southern california right in the la area Yes. Okay, he gives seminars on a regular basis. His name is John Kassarab, and he's a 40-year financial planner also. And uh-huh. uh, he might can really give you some good uh, suggestions on this, okay? So if you'll yeah. send me that email, I'll put you in touch with John, and you can take it from there, okay? It's uh, radioranch at mail.com? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I, I just figured that because the mortgage is here obviously um you know high and so i'm paying into this i wouldn't have to stay here 30 years i don't see myself staying here 30 years but i rather um you know not do you, do you know have, not to lose. has anybody ever explained to you how mortgages are structured no no it's pretty interesting well you know before the bankruptcy there were no 30-year mortgages the longest any bank would loan you on a home on a mortgage was 10 years after wow. the bankruptcy, mm-hmm. they extended it to 30 so they can gouge you because that's where the interest really piles up. Do you mm-hmm. know how many years the average person stays in a home? No. Seven. 20? Seven. Seven. Oh, okay. Wow. So when you look at the way a mortgage is structured, you don't even hardly start paying on the principal until after year 15. Wow. All of your initial payments, I don't, let's say your payment's $1,000 a month, okay, just hypothetically. Mm-hmm. So out of that $1,000 you pay, $995 is for interest, and $5 is applied to the principal. Also known as rent. Yeah. So, so if you become a national and you're in a mortgage, can you not pay taxes or you have oh, to Oh, no, no. Taxes? Well, you, that a mortgage isn't taxes. Okay, they're separate. All right. But what I was going to say is, this is why years ago, people started paying an extra payment a year. Just one extra payment a year will knock your mortgage from 30 years down to 15 years. Because every payment that you pay extra doesn't go to the interest. It goes immediately to the back end of the principal, and it comes off the principal. Therefore, you owe that much less. Okay. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I remember, and it's funny, I heard somebody talking about this last night, actually. Um, And it's one of the things they think that's what they're going to start doing again. And I was caught up in this in the late 70s when Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, you know, our governor from Georgia, was uh, was president. He uh, had he had inflation like screaming through the 70s. You may, may or, yeah, I don't know. You probably don't remember that. Some of the folks on here do. 
Okay. No. <laughs> and and so what they did was when Reagan got elected, he got appointed this guy named Paul Volcker, big old tall guy. Volcker, very unusual name. He's got an interesting background, maybe a possible connection, but I won't go into that here. Volcker gets in there as the head of the Federal Reserve, and he in, he raised the interest rates to 22%. 22 percent. Twenty. Two percent, and what it did was it shut that inflation down, and it set up a bull bond market. Is the one that's falling apart right now? Okay, so uh, everything's underpinned with bonds, and as you're new, you may not have gotten this yet, but bond is the root word of bondage. Okay, so uh, that's what happened, and that's what they're about to have to start raising interest rates again. And the person I was listening to last night or today was saying this is the path they're going to follow, the same thing they did in the 80s. They raised the rates up to 22%. It went on, and then they crashed the market in 87, the famous 87 crash. But the reason I remember it is because I had a house that I'd been living in that I got on a cheap mortgage, on cheap money back then. Okay, And I remember getting letters from the bank going, wouldn't you like to pay this off early? Wouldn't you like to pay this off early? Because they were trying to get anything in to take advantage of these high interest rates. See? Mm. So, yeah, I remember it quite well, actually. Okay. So, Gabriella, welcome. Thank uh, Yes, you may. Just a second. I want to thank Romeo. Uh, I'm assuming that was his name for uh, turning you on to us. And if you need if I don't know if you've heard any of my other shows or anything, but when you send me that email, I'll send you back some documents and some other interviews you can listen to and help educate yourself. OK, I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. for your No, time. you're very welcome. Nothing. We're glad you're here, sweetie. OK. Thank Who you. was trying to say something was another female. Don, was that you? Nope, that wasn't me. Okay. Well, who else? There's another female who's just trying to say something right there. Come on, ladies. Step Hi, this forward. is Dave. In the- okay, it's Dave's wife. It's Mrs. Dave. Yes, yes. So I just wanted to say, I was reading one night, you know, late into the night, I'm like, oh, my God, like you were mentioning earlier about, you know, 10 years, you know, it's just like you're vested with a company after 10 years. You're vested even in your marriage after 10 years. Is what I'm reading. I'm like, what is this? And so, like you were talking about earlier too, we had a house in Texas that you know we pay what 22, 26, 28 percent interest. 22. Yeah, 22 percent. And I'm thinking about you know, my gosh. And we lost it. You know, we lost that house. It's a beautiful house, you know, but uh, we lost it, and we really, really shouldn't have lost that. But you know, and that's when we learned how to use our credit cards correctly, because we had to have diapers and formula. You know, and um, and then we had to go bankrupt. You know, okay. and that was a whole nother situation: bankrupt, foreclosure, all that. Oh and boy, you you've just had all kinds. You've had all kinds of fun, haven't you? I don't want to tell you about that other stuff because that stuff <laughs> we don't want to talk about. So I think I we should call you. Things that I can talk about. Okay, I think we should call you Dave's wife in the forefinger, because I'll bet you point that forefinger at him occasionally, don't you? I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, you might be lucky you're blind, Dave. <laughs> hey, every time she gets mad at me, she rearranges the furniture. <laughs> I told you something. Because I'm trying to tell you something. You say, hey, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, it's yeah, well, it sounds like sounds like you guys got a pretty good marriage. So congratulations to you. You know, I remember Bortz there in Atlanta, Neil Bortz saying one of the most valuable things you can have these days is a long-lasting relationship or marriage, and there's a lot of truth in that. Forty years on Valentine's Day, oh, of our wow. anniversary. Oh, how cool! Well, congratulations to you. So, uh, so what else? We're in about a thirty minutes, I think, or so left. Anybody else got some stuff they want to discuss? Love to talk about it and explain it to you if you got questions. Yeah, yeah, Roger. There's uh, one other chapter in Stamper's book. It's called "A House for Free." Yeah, good people have gotten that done. Gabriella, you may want to. I'll defer back to Gabby here. The one of the yeah. guys I got turned on to early was a guy named Tom Schaff. I don't think his information is on the net too much anymore. They've scrubbed a lot of it. He was a certified public accountant who'd qualified himself to be an expert witness in trials. And mm-hmm. what he found out was when he got to doing that that there was no school in the country that qualified people to do expert witnesses as CPAs. And so that's the classic formula for a successful business. You find a need and fill it. And that's what he did. He opened one of these schools. And in one of his classes, a federal bank regulator pulled him aside and said, do you know every loan in America is a fraud? I'm assuming you don't know how the monetary system works. (laughs) Not completely. Okay, well, just strap yourself in. Okay. And so he said, every loan in America is a fraud. The expert witness CPA said, what the hell are you talking about? And this is what he explained to him. Okay. Now, there have been people that have gotten their houses free and clear by doing this. I don't know. I don't know who did it. I don't, I, I, I don't know who could handle it for you, but I know it's been done. Okay. And what happens is when you went and bought your house, you remember the closing? Yes. Remember that six-inch stack of papers they brought in for you to sign where you wish you had a signature stamp? Yes. Okay. You know what the first one was? No. A promissory note. A promissory note is a commercial document where it is literally called negotiable paper, and it's a promise to pay. And you, Gabriella, signed your name at the bottom of this that said you'd pay so many payments to so much principal and so many much interest over so many months, and you signed it, right? It keeps you a debtor. Yeah, now you're a debtor because you have signed your name to a future income stream. Got that? Yes. Okay. Now, when the bank that you, that quote-unquote, loans you the money, They take the promissory note back to the financial institution and with double-entry bookkeeping, you know, assets and liabilities balance, right? With double-entry bookkeeping, they put that promissory note as an entry on the liability side of the ledger. Mm. Now, it's a positive income stream that you've signed your name to that there are the beneficiaries of. And they bring it back and put it in as a liability. How's that? How's that happen? Well, okay. All right. Now, here's what happens after that. Now, they take that is called negotiable paper and they send it. Most mortgages go to the Federal Reserve and they discount it at the Federal Reserve. So, in other words, the 30-year mortgage that's got this total here, they sell it to the Federal Reserve at a discount, maybe three-quarters of that, 
don't know the percentage, but less than the full face value of what you sign the note for. That cash they bring back to the financial institution and enter on the asset side of the ledger to balance out the books, and that cash is what they paid off your builder with. So you see, they never loaned you any money. You loaned them your signature on this promissory note, and they went through this procedure, and your house... The money they loaned you is the money you loaned them with your signature. You guaranteed them these funds with your signature on that. So what Tom Schaff, some of his students did initially was to go to court on fraud that the financial institution never loaned you anything, that it was this convoluted process. And what the courts did in those early cases, because Tom Schaff told me this personally, is they, they put the decision under seal, which means nobody can see it, and they gave you uh-huh. the key to the house, and it was yours. Wow. <laughs> I want that to happen. <laughs> well, you could pursue it, okay? It's just something if you, yeah. you really want, you or anybody else, just like this other stuff we were talking about pursuing this treasury account, okay? This is something that you could do. And you might even be able to do it a little bit better as a national because you'd take it to state court, not federal okay. court, okay? So just a seed, but that's the way the monetary system is. Now, what the, 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 and, and the whole tax system, it's a scam too. So the point I'm getting across to you early on in your learning process here, in your awakening, quote-unquote, all mm-hmm. of this crap is a scam. It's all trickery. It's all deceit. Nothing's real. Yes, I'm learning that, and I'm getting very upset about it. It's a hard lesson, and it really is something to get over mentally on what these bastards have been able to pull off successfully and what the truth is, and I hope it makes you mad as hell. Well, Well, right now, even though, I mean, at my job, I am fighting um, because of uh, we're the ones that came out in the news regarding um, pushback because of the vaccine okay are you are you an employee of the county there yes i am do you know do you know uh efren and 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 laura and the other folks yes i'm with them and so i'll I'll be hosting one of these meetings at my place okay fantastic fantastic well you're i would (laughs) say right now you're in pretty good hands if you're associated with those folks okay yes because i'm very impressed with that little group right there well i'm part of that group good well um, good Yeah, so I'm going to email you, and if you can send me that name of that gentleman you just were talking about. I will. About. Uh, Laura has spoken with him. I got an email from her this morning. They had a little problem, whatever reason, hooking up, but she said they had spoken, and Laura is going to have a, setting up a meeting with John, too. So tap in with Laura, and you'll get the same information, oh, okay? okay. We're having the meeting at my place. So okay, well, the well okay. there you go. All right, see there? <laughs> it was coming my way anyway. Okay. <laughs> That's well, awesome. I'd say that it's meant to be then, Gabby. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay cool. thank you so much. Oh, this, is, this is just a uh, confirmation for me. Okay, thank see, we're very, I try and tell people we don't bite here, at least not very hard or very often, and we're generally pretty good, you know, I think. Yes, thank you so much. You're very welcome, Gabby. We're glad to have you on board, sweetie. Okay. Thanks. Uh, so who else has got something to add? Something to query? Something to comment on, some additional analysis. Any of those things are open for discussion. Mortgage M O R T and then interest. 
sounds like interred. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I know the the root of the word comes from Mortmain. You can go back and look that up. Now, these bastards are so slick, man. I mean, they are. You got to admit, the more you learn and understand, you just get amazed at how slick and damn underhanded these bastards are and what they've been able to accomplish with it right in front of you. I mean, right damn in front of you, okay? And your your earnings, E-R-N. Yeah, you're an urn, all right. Uh, well, I guess it'd be better to have, be ashes than to be liquefied and sprayed on a field somewhere. There's cash, C-A-S-S-H. <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting in Spanish, Gabrielle would know this, of course. The word for uh, cash is effectivo. Effective. Effectivo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like Spanish. I sure have had a hard time with it, though. I think a lot of the words originated in Latin. That's oh, why. they did? Yeah, Latin, mm-hmm. French, and, and Spanish. You know, if what I've found is people that when I was in Argentina, particularly, because they don't even call it Spanish. No. They call it Castellano. Okay. Yes, that's the formal name. It's Castellano sí. Español. Sí. Like yeah. and, and, and the people that really speak true Castellano have, are, are very easily understood vice versa with Italians. And I don't think it's as easy with French, but there's still some correlation to the French language. And all three of those are, of course, Latin-based Romance languages. Well, there's like a, how could I say this? Um uh, very well known, um, I guess, very well known in the Latin community or Hispanic community, <laughs> given that, you know, uh, the language originated in with the Spaniards, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, and then coming to Mexico and such and such in the way it came. And so um, people in Argentina, um, they're Spanish, um, not, not Argentina, um, uh, who, who you just mentioned, I forgot. But anyways, the Spanish has changed so much in terms of dialect, right? Yes, so, yes. Uh, you know, it, it's very well, well that they're, that's why they call it Castellano, because they're, they see themselves, it's where are the original, our Spanish is more formal. Right, you know, the right. The better Spanish, well, in other um, words. Yeah. Let's, let's face it, the Argentinians really have a complex. And yes. everybody down here in the whole southern part of the country that's Spanish-speaking pretty much resent them, okay? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they have this, we're better than you kind of attitude because we're yes. European <laughs> and you're not, you know? And, 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 and they even, uh, any time an Argentinian, especially a, a porteño, okay? You, if Gabrielle would know what, what a porteño is, the audience doesn't. That's what they call Argentinians from Buenos Aires, because Porteño means port city, and Buenos Aires is obviously a big port city. They're very much like New, like New Yorkers, how New Yorkers yeah. have a real different dialect from everybody else. Well, yeah. that's the same way they do. And their dialect, they can tell anybody on the whole southern hemisphere, can tell the minute they open their mouth they're from Buenos Aires because of the way they pronounce their double L's. Instead of ja, it's sha. 
and they put an SH before it, and it's real identifiable to Spanish speakers. So the mm-hmm. minute they open their mouth, they know they're Porteño, and then they automatically pretty much resent them because they all yes. got this attitude and <laughs> reputation. Is that right, yes. Gabri? That's about that right, is isn't correct. it? Yes, it's <laughs> but I'll tell you now, I really enjoyed my, my time in Argentina. Okay, and it wasn't all pleasant. I had some very bad experiences personally down there, but I enjoyed the people. And yes, it was very European. Okay. Yes. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you here publicly, and people ask me, say, what do you miss most about Argentina? And you might think I'd say the wine, the beautiful women, because they've got stunning of females just beautiful down there okay and uh, of course they're also the highest bulimic and plastic surgery rate in the world also but that's another issue or the wonderful beef right Mm -hmm. it isn't any of those things what i miss most about argentina is bidets bidets oh really bidets okay and that's that other toilet in the bathroom that you think yeah. is for the yeah. lady folk. <laughs> but it's not. It's for everybody. See? <laughs> I've never tried one of those, but man, I heard well, good things about that. As my, as, my friend's, as my friend's wife, when we went down there, she said, what are these things? And she said, you'll feel a lot more comfortable. <laughs> I think that's a very adequate description. But man, I'm telling you, I really miss bidets. I'd never uh, been exposed to them. I mean, I'd seen them occasionally, but I'd never used one because I thought they were for the women folk, you know. And uh, use it with the drinking phone. No, don't don't do that. It's not a good idea. But man, <laughs> I miss those things. Okay. If I ever build a house or something, I'll have one in my house. All right. Yeah, I think you could buy them. My friend bought one on Amazon. You can get a little attachment that'll go on your toilet yeah. that works that way too. But anyway, yeah. that's I just think that's funny that out of my whole experience down there with all those other attributes, that that's the thing that I miss the most. That you miss the most. <laughs> that's so, funny. It is funny, actually. <laughs> But I really enjoyed my time down there. Now, I was in Mendoza, so I wasn't close to the big city. Uh, but I did hang out in BA quite a bit, and I really did like it. Uh, I'm not a big, big city fan, but, man, Buenos Aires is the best big city I've ever been in. Okay, And it's just so cool with all the culture and all the restaurants and all the things to do and the really interesting people, and it's flat, and you can walk uh, everywhere. And it's it's real nice. I enjoyed my time there a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, every country has a beautiful culture, I believe, you know. Yeah. Uh, I went to Israel, and um, when I went there, actually, I went to Turkey one time, and uh, when I went there... All of the guys were talking to me in Spanish because they they saw it like you're Mexican and they started talking to me Spanish and I was like I was grateful I was able to respond to them yeah and um, I was with a friend who's also Mexican but she's more looking and they and they're like you're not Mexican. And she got so mad, and I started laughing, and she said, yes, I am, yes, I am. He said, no, you, and they were looking at her face, and they're looking at her bone structure from her face, and they said, you're not original Mexican. (laughs) 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 And she was so, so mad at that, and I I just laughed, and I go, well, because I have more of a indigenous, per se, my family, I have the dark hair. 
you know, um, and she's more of a, you know, European look, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. but, but it was just interesting because they just took to me more in a, in a positive way. And they talked more Spanish and I was able to wheel and deal with them, you know, in the market. So <laughs> they were in, in Constantinople, they were talking Spanish that fluently? In Turkey. Really? In Turkey. That's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. A lot of the, um, I guess you could say, what are they like, um, Lebanese men or... I couldn't tell Arab Arab ethnicity well they say if you can speak Spanish and speak English you can just about go anywhere in the world well, well I hope that's true <laughs> well I don't know how much we're going to be doing world traveling and globe trekking anymore but uh, that's what they say anyway But uh, so just a little sideline because none of y'all are asking any good questions so Gabby and I are just going to have a hello there's somebody oh okay I Earlier, my um, even though I was unmuted, nobody could hear me. Okay, um, we well, hear you was, loud and clear now. Thank you, <laughs> um, Roger. This is Nastasha, and oh, I have been Nastasha. on the call back in. That's right. That's like a beautiful Russian ethnicity name, Nastasha. Thank you. Yeah, on my mother's side, Ukrainian. Oh, okay. Um, and I wanted to. I was on the call like back in. August, September. Yes. And we communicated a few times by email. And then everything went haywire because I lost my employment because I will not take the jab, the death injection. Good for you. And it was a um, private company. Shame, um, shame on them. Yeah, really bad. And so I tried to enter work the following Monday after they let me go and I had it videotaped and everything because I wanted them to publicly state why they were refusing me entry. And so anyway, so I've been on your calls, but I've been listening and um, I submitted my affidavit to the state department. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I've been really, you know, continuing to educate myself Um, my question is, you know, I'm getting ready to send out my affidavits to, um, notice you're putting everybody on notice. Yeah. To the, to the smucks and (laughs) California. That's a a good Ukrainian word. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, my question is, um, I have a revocation of election in regards to the IRS. Okay. Um, this is my dilemma that I can't quite get clear on. And that is previously some years back, um, I had to use my 401k plan and through a marriage separation, et cetera, I was out of employment for a little while And so anyway, ultimately, there was this chunk of change um, owed to the IRS from the use of the 401k plan. Um, So I've been, you know, little by little paying that off, um, noting through coercion and at least to say something on the check. (laughs) But now 
I need to know how to put them on notice properly from this day moving forward. Okay. Um, especially if I'm going to have to use my social security if I have difficulty finding employment because here in LA it's pretty bad. Right. Um, so, which my social security is going to be nearly zero. So to have them take out money. So I need to know if you can direct me how to proceed forward on that revocation of election, which I have the information from Weiss Paris. Right. Um, someone shared with me, I don't know, a 10 page document that's right. all IRS code. Right. Um, but then what about this past payment? Cause I heard, um, you know, I've been paying quote, by mistake and through deceit since the age of 15, um, you know, through their deceit and lack of, lack of, um, proper notice, tra transparency, proper notice, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And then through my own error, um, of not knowing. Okay. So those are my two questions. Okay, well, let's let's go back and start. First of all, I want to tell you the revocation of election thing you're getting from Weiss Paris is my teachers, John and Glenn. That they, pioneered, yeah. they pioneered all that. Okay. okay. That's yeah. when I stumbled into them, when they were, when they were teaching that. Okay. okay. So I've got some familiarity with it, all right? And what the revocation of election was is when you discover that you've been filing under an improper status. Okay, and in the regulations in 26 CFR, John found because he was very astute at this stuff. Takes somebody real astute and with a lot of patience to read through that crap, burdensome and antiquated. Wilson called it totally correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what that was, and you probably know this, is for the audience that might not know it. You, if you found out that you were filing in the wrong status, you could change that, and they would you would amend your returns for the previous three years, and you would file non-resident alien returns, which are called 1040 NRs. Okay, and you would file those for the previous three years, and they would send you the money that you had erroneously, mistakenly paid in back. That's the mm -hmm. revocation of election. Okay, mm -hmm. so what you're talking about with that is just three years back. Okay. Okay. Now, when we first started doing that, when they first found this and started teaching it, uh, the first few people that went through the process and filed 1040 in ours got some of them got sizable checks back. It's like an MLM meeting, you know, there's people waving these checks around to get everybody excited, right? And so uh, that didn't last too long. When the IRS found out what was going on, they put a stop to that. And by the time, and I was pretty early in their six months of teaching, by the time I got and sent mine in, I got three, three $500 frivolous filing penalties back. I didn't get any money back. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now that frivolous filing penalty is $5,000, by the way. And so that only ad applies to things previous, all right? And they're not going to send you three years back anymore. I doubt if – I'm surprised why Paris is still promoting that because I would be seriously surprised if anybody's getting that back, okay? Okay. Um, well, actually, on his website, um, it does state that – like, I'm not getting his assistance, 
it's only from the website right. from some information someone shared with me right. but what i did saw on his website those who want to have him assist them in um stopping the payments he stated i am not that he would not be doing past taxes yeah there you go future yeah there you go. yeah he states that on the website yeah well that's because they're not having any success with it because the irs won't cut loose of it i'm sure i don't know for sure but that's my strong intuition okay yeah so okay yeah yes somebody had something to add Oh, sorry. It's me, Dawn. I just wanted to let the other ladies know, because I'm also in L.A., I put my email address in the comment section here. So if you want to connect for, like, support or, like, going through this whole process um, and just talk about any issues or whatever that you're having... Um, please feel free to email me. Yeah. That'd be great. We've got a a pretty good, healthy little group forming out there in L.A. There's a number of you, and some of you are associated, and some of you aren't connected yet. And, Nastasha, I would highly, highly suggest uh, that you, too, drop me an email at Radio Ranch, and I'll plug you into all these gals, or you can get Don's email right there off the chat. Uh, But uh, uh, John Cassera, my old and trusted friend, is giving meetings all over every weekend. John. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I know John. All I right. met him on our Sunday meetings at Health Industry okay. in Well, John's a very close and dear friend, okay? So, yeah. and he's been with me through thick and thin through this whole thing for 11 years, okay? Yeah. So, um, and you, 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 you and that's who I learned from. Uh, yeah, but go. I can can we move forward on my question? Yes, yes, I want to. Okay, so we're almost done. Okay, well, I don't want I mean, to. Okay, you can't. Uh, we got a couple of minutes here. You, yeah. uh, you, you, what we're going to do with you is once you get that on, really, once you get it in the mail, it's considered received. It's in the mail. Okay. Did it's you do it with a passport application, or did you do it without? I did it with the renewal. Okay, but, well, that's a passport um, app. Okay, now yeah, what I'm, I'm also going to send it separately as well. That's a, God, thank you, thank you so much because that's what yeah. I'm going to start suggesting from now on. Yeah, is everybody do both? Any yeah. new people that get any instruction from me, send it in in the passport application and send it in cold to the administrative records department at the state department. For one thing, it makes sure you're doubly covered. And two, it lets them doubly get inundated with these things through the paperwork. And that's going to have to scare order. the shit out of them, okay? Yeah. In what order, Roger? Pardon me? Naked first or after? I think maybe it might be best to send the naked first because you may have a case there in that thing I was talking about yesterday with this guy Michael out there in the San Francisco area. Okay? And that's what got me thinking about all this, okay? So once yours is in the, it's in the passport re- renewal, it's considered received already, okay? Because the, pa- the post office is an authorized agent of the State Department, right? Okay? So what you're going to want to do is take a copy of your affidavit, and you're going to type a short cover letter. And at the top, in bold letters underlined, I would suggest you write legal, lawful notice, legal lawful maybe a hyphen maybe a a slash mark whatever you want to do it legal lawful notice not to be considered a filing 
or not to be construed as a filing. And what you're doing there is you're cutting any, the only thing they've got left to beat you up with is this $5,000 frivolous filing penalty. So you're taking that out from them right at the top of the correspondence. Okay. Okay. And then underneath it, you go, to whom it may concern, please find the enclosed citizenship evidence. I think it's important. Notice to the agent. Well, that, that's usually for the others, for the for the state okay. folks. This is IRS, okay? And and what you want to do is put on their legal lawful notice not to be construed as a filing. This is there for a specific reason, and they're separate from yeah. the other people, okay? So you yeah. put to whom. Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence. I think it's important to use that phrase exactly because that's what the State Department refers to your affidavit as. Okay. Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence now currently on file with the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Pretty easy sentence, right? Yeah. Please adjust your records and your actions accordingly. Okay. All right. Roger, wouldn't it be misconstrued as a legal filing? You could put that in there, but I just you want to put in there that it's not a filing and take that away from them, however you want to word it, okay? <coughs> and, yeah, it is misconstrued as a filing in the way they use it, but we don't want them construing it as a filing, and that yanks it right out from under them, okay? Now, on the others, and we've had very interesting developments. So, wait a minute, you said please adjust your records. And your actions accordingly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In other words, don't send any of your 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 thug agents over here. Now, what what do I do if? Okay, so I submit that. Yeah, you're going to send it. The question is, where where do you send it? Is the question okay? Um, yeah. You may send it to the main IRS, and and I, I honestly, as I think about this, I think you ought to send it to the commissioner commissioner of irs and let him pass it down to his delegates and let that piece of crap know we got you oh, i like that we yeah. got you bastard we got you by the yeah. short hairs okay yeah all right now when it comes to the state they've had a couple of very interesting developments here just in, since yesterday because both laura and Ephraim got back an answer from your attorney general and it's quite nebulous, okay? And it says in there, I, they sent me a copy of it, and I'm, I'm not sure whether we need to respond to them or not, but I always like to respond. They put in there, thanks for something to the effect of thanks for asking for legal advice. Well, I'm not asking for legal advice. They weren't either. They're making a legal lawful notice. But at the top of that cover letter, we had notice to the principal is notice to the agent, and notice to the agent's notice to the principal. There wasn't anything in there that said legal lawful notice, okay? And we used basically the same verbiage in the letter. Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence now on file with the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Please govern your actions and adjust your records accordingly. And then you copy everybody in your county. Uh, maybe your coroner, because he's the highest law official in the county. Certainly your sheriff. Certainly your chief of police. Without a doubt, your local district attorney. And now we're going to add another one to that list of your local public health official. Because that's yeah, who Robert, they're trying to weaponize in all these counties yeah. to appoint deputies and come jab people. Yeah, our our um, 
public health, quote, official who is a social welfare queen of Los Angeles. She gets, <laughs> she gets paid $250,000 a year. Oh. And she's, a, you know, her, her, um, anyway, she's, she's a witch. I mean, if you, if you saw her, you would not, she's the epitome of unhealth. She's, she's horrible. She's horrendous. Um, but anyway, so when I have written her letters, you know, I, I call her by her first name because I will not give any of these people any recognition of any title. And but I also add afterwards, social welfare queen of Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she loves oh. to hear from you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, but anyway, yeah. So that's who we have in Los Angeles. OK. And, uh, so, yeah, definitely she'll be getting in okay. all the ones that you and, mentioned. And I really advise all those. And I'm going to go back here in the next day or two. You don't have to shoot something back to these guys immediately. But then that letter they got from the uh, Attorney General of California, it was saying something like, thanks for your inquiring about legal assistance or something. And something that we always try and cater to private citizens. They yeah. use that in there, okay? And then they said, and here's the bar if you need any legal advice or whatever. And I would think it's a, some, something like a short re response should be like, thank you for recognizing our status as a private citizen a as opposed to a public citizen, maybe a in, in a... Well, there's our whistler, so we're running out of time. Uh, and it's too loud, so hold on a second for the people in the I'll audience. and I'll, I'll get that. Okay, well, we'll be... There, we'll get that little whistler toned down a bit. We'll be back tomorrow, Nastasha. And yeah, I love hearing you. all you wonderful, especially you ladies, okay? God bless you, you, you alpha lionesses. We like you, okay? <laughs> so uh, please join Thank us you. tomorrow. We can pick this conversation back up because i got to turn this over to one James Ram here pretty quick. The old Sarge is going to take over, and he may talk about this too, okay, because he's pretty schooled in this also. If you guys want to stick around and find out how you can improve your health and, and your wealth and even uh, uh, get some of these questions answered, Jim should be right there. If I say, Jim, are you? there he's probably going to answer yes yes there you go how's that <laughs> for <here>. predictability <laughs> so uh, uh nastasha gabby all you new folks and you new gals just tickled to death to have you please don't be shy you don't sound like you're Thank very you. shy and uh we're glad to have you so we'll answer your questions a little more in depth you got a little time to noodle on it if you want additional information send me an email radio ranch no space at mail mail.com oh, yes i just wanted to tell you roger that i found a 2013 presentation that you gave oh, okay it's on the it's excellent as well as the spingola okay it's very excellent so well, thank you it's very much it's a three much. hour presentation i guess you did it three nights for it could have been oh it's, it was on rbn actually and uh, it's called the science of law i'll be yes. on rbn tonight on that very same well it just got knocked off but you guys are on okay. there i'll be on there with tom d tonight and tomorrow night uh so please join us over there okay okay all right. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Ram, and I'm going to go uh, see about.